Hello and welcome to another episode of the Miss Independent Podcast with me, Sarah Lee. And here we are at episode number four of the Miss Independent Podcast. Today's episode, you will hear me talk with Rebecca Belt. Now, Rebecca has almost been in the country music industry as long as she has been a country music fan. She started off as a journalist for the Northern Daily Leader, which is the Tamworth paper, and she now does her own little thing called the Country Journal. She's a publicist. She's a massive supporter of the industry and also independent artists. And I'm so excited to have her on because she is someone who doesn't get behind the microphone very often. Now, you'll notice a few kind of themes in this episode, and I noticed while editing, it's basically that... If she doesn't know something, she'll try her best because she's such a genuine person. And I'm so honored to have had her on. And I hope that you enjoy this next episode. Please share it with your friends if you have. Without further ado, my conversation with Rebecca Belt. Welcome to the podcast, Beck Belt. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> no, I'm excited to be recording you for once. I know it's a bit weird being on the other side, but we'll go. <laughs> right. So to start to start us off, um, would you mind telling us just a bit of background about yourself and how you got into the country music industry and what's kind of got you to this point? Because you've taken a few little turns. <laughs> um, so I've been involved in country music, well, like as a fan uh, of country music, I don't know, I think since I was born, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, but I remember, I think my first Tamworth Country Music Festival was when I was about three, I think, about 1983. Um, and I remember seeing John Farnham there actually. Um, but yeah, so I've been I've been involved in country music forever. And then um, in a professional kind of sense, I I don't know when I was really young, probably about five, I decided I wanted to be a journalist, and I don't I don't know why, I just did. And um, I started interviewing artists when I was about fifteen. Um, I did a work experience with Capital News when I was fifteen up up here in Tamworth, and uh, I wasn't living here then, so I came and stayed up here for a week to do it. And then I yeah from there I just started yeah started interviewing artists and yeah had my first had my first story published when I was when I was 15 and then I went to uni and did journalism and yeah all the way through when we had to do we had to do you know uh, interviews for stories that was I always did always did country music stories and it was funny because the other students in my class were like oh my god how do you get to interview these artists and I'm like well it's not like you know rock music where they might be you know not as uh, approachable as you know and not as accessible as country music artists and because I you know I've been going to concerts for so long I, I knew a lot of the artists and so I finished uni and I did my masters and stuff and then I ended up in Tamworth in two, I ended up moving to Tamworth in 2003 and I kept harassing the leader um, the, the daily newspaper up here with my resume until they finally got me in for an interview and, and offered me a casual job mm-hmm. so, uh, I started doing that and then um, and yeah then the country music reporter left and I, I had been doing a little bit of country music but I just yeah just slipped into that role so I was a country music reporter there for probably well I was there for 13 years so I was a country music reporter there full time probably for 11 years um, and then yeah when Fairfax went through some changes I um, asked for a redundancy that was two years two and a bit years ago um, and they finally gave in and said yes. So I left there and didn't really know what I was going to do. I knew it had to be something to do with country music. So I registered. Um, I registered yeah, the, the name Country Journal, and I thought, right, what, what am I going to do? Am I going to do some, you know, press, you know, some um, bios and stuff like that? And then um, actually, Amber Lawrence rang and said, do you do you write bios? And I said, oh, I, I can, yes. So she was my first client, and then. <laughs> 
a friend of mine who, who moved moved back to Tamworth, um, Jill Stewart. She's Adam Brand's publicist, and she was working with a few bands and just needed a, a, an assistant. So I did some work with her, and, and then she got <clears throat> she got really busy, and so I was doing a bit more work with her. And then yeah, just people started contacting me then, and I yeah took on I think Simply Bush was some of my first clients, and um, and you know they're still with me two years later. And um, yeah, I just I guess word just got around, and I accidentally became a publicist. <laughs> So that's, that's my story. <laughs> but you had you had all like most of the contacts and definitely um definitely the chops for all of the writing and stuff. So it's like a happy accident, really. Well, it was great because yeah, I mean it was. Uh, I think it was easier for me to start my business because I already had those contacts and I already had the yeah, reputation in the industry and and I, I knew so many people. So it was it was easy. And once we got around about that, I was you know I'd left the leader and but was now doing publicity. Um, yeah, then people sort of contacted me and I've done uh, like zero advertising, um, which is great. Um, but yeah, because it's such a small industry and everyone knows everyone, it's, um, you know, which can be detrimental, but in this case, it's been very beneficial. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's how it happened. So, to kind of briefly explain it, you're now a boss lady with many, many hats, um, <laughs> organising many, many things by yourself. So, you're almost like an independent artist, but. <laughs> you roll, roll but yes, yeah, on the other side. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, what are the what are the jobs that you do daily, and what are the things that you um, do for artists? So, uh, yeah. So, in terms of publicity, I uh, I write you know I write bios. I do um, digital releases to radio stations. Uh, not not in the same kind of way as someone like check label services or something like that. But when I send out the press release, I'll always send um, if, if the artist is happy to do it. Um, I'll always send a, a link out with the with the track, so it's it's kind of like distribution. Um, uh, press releases, obviously, uh, social media. I look after a few social media accounts. So yeah, a bit of bit of everything, I guess. <laughs> and uh, obviously, approaching yeah, approaching media and scheduling interviews is is the big you know that's that's a big thing. Um, but yeah, I'm also um, I'm also still writing as as a journalist, which is kind of kind of funny on both sides. Um, I still write for Capital News, so I am um, I'm a journalist as well. So. Yeah, and you get some awesome interviews with international <laughs> artists as well. It's like every time yeah. I see you come up in Facebook, you're doing something amazing for someone else. <laughs> it's, it's it's fun. It's a, it's a good job. When do you think an artist needs a publicist? Um, you've obviously you're obviously working with like if you've got names like Amber Lawrence and Simply Bushed and stuff, you're obviously working with established artists as well. What kind of things are you doing for an artist? Like you're doing releases. I, I work with a lot of artists who are releasing their debut, um, like single or EP or albums. So yeah, I work I mostly work with yeah, people who are starting out, I guess. Um, but I do yeah do have a few established artists like um, Simply Bushed and uh, Tom Curtin and Luke O'Shea. Uh, but mostly it's it's those people who are releasing their first um their first single or or album, and I obviously make that contact through um when they uh, attend the academy of country music so um they they know me so they get in touch but there, I don't know if there's if there's a definite answer of when uh, an artist needs a publicist but and I don't want to sound biased here, but I think it, it probably actually i guess the best way to answer it is it's when the artist is ready to release. Um, product like professional product so um, you know they they might record a single and you know and they they think it's great and whatever but maybe you know if if they're quite young maybe that's really not the time for them to be you know to be pushing that single out to you know to radio or something like that they might just want to record it you know just you know to say I've, I've recorded it you know maybe they'll sell all that shows but 
on the other side, if you're going to yeah, spend the money to record a single or an album, then you don't want people to um, to not know about it. So I guess exactly. uh, the time to the time to, to yeah, employ a publicist is when when you want people to know about your product. But it's a it's kind of a fine line because yeah, if if the artist is really young and they haven't you know they haven't done a lot of music before, but you know they've written a song and they've recorded it doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're ready. Um, and I've, I have seen this happen a couple of times. And, you know, it can be, it, it can be scary for them because, they've, you know, they've never done an interview and suddenly they've got, you know, they've got radio presenters ringing them up and, um, and you know, asking those questions. And, you know, you, you've just got to make sure. I, and I think that comes, at that age, it comes down to parents that, you know, they've got to, they've got to know that their child is ready for that kind of step into the, into the music industry, but yeah, in terms of in terms of getting publicity, it, it's when it's when you're ready to you know to get that that professional uh, product out out to radio and and media. I think that's that's when you employ publicists because I guess that's the best way to do it because you know in, uh, independent artists I think have got enough on their plate uh, without trying to do all their all their own media as well. Because <laughs> so. you obviously book a lot of interviews. I again another thing that I see on um, social media is you've got all kinds of Crazy schedules for your Western Australian artists. Oh, yeah. Barbara Morrison at three o'clock. Oh, they really, really don't like me. But anyway. <laughs> um, but have you got say, have you got maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be like a procedure, but are there have you got any tips and stuff when you're preparing your artists for maybe if they are a young artist and they're gonna just start doing their first couple of interviews like. Have you got yes. tips? Because you obviously, as an interviewer, yes, um, from the journalist background, yep. know the kind of questions that they will ask. Um, have you got tips for people uh, on how to answer them? We do a lot of um, interviews with community radio stations because they're like they're the you know the biggest supporters of, of uh, country music that you know you know out there. And um, the artist is young. I always tell the um, the interviewer that you know they're, they're young. You know it might be their first or you know first couple of interviews, and you know so you know be a bit gentle with them. But I also say to the artist, you've got to make sure that you keep um, your interview, whether it's whether it's radio, you know TV, newspaper, whatever, online. You've got to keep them on track. So you want the you've got to know where you want the interview to go, um, rather than letting the interviewer. And maybe the interviewer might go off track, um, and you've got to try to bring them back to your, you know, to your product because that's what that's what you know. You've got ten minutes to talk about your product. You want to get um, as much in as you can about, you know, this new CD or whatever you whatever you've released. So yeah, my biggest advice is I sometimes write them um, some notes about what you know what to talk about, and yet yeah, ways on bringing it back to um, bring it back to their you know their product or their tour or whatever they want to talk about, rather than making you know the interviewer talk about talk about what they want to talk about I guess so um yeah it's all about it's all about keeping keeping the interviews going so that it goes where you want it to not necessarily where where they want it to go exactly and I find especially community radio and stuff they have such a wide variety of people that work there and not necessarily and I don't mean this in a bad way but not necessarily um, trained in that kind of thing, they're volunteers and yes, definitely, yep. things that they, when you're setting up an interview for an artist, it's not just because it's warm and fuzzy. It's like you say, it's it's for a specific thing, whether it be a tour or a single release or an album yep. or whatever, and that's what you're going in to promote. So yep. yeah, it's it's very hard to stay on track, and I think we've touched on this at Academy and stuff yep. as well. Like at least 
Simmons has a great story about how she's been in the industry 10 years and people still call her Alice. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I find that to be really off-putting when you, uh, you know, you've kind of set yourself up, you're in the mood, you're, you know, you get them faces on and you're ready to just go in and then instantly they will either, like, call you the wrong name. And it's not their fault. It's, it, it could be something that's hard to pronounce. I know I live in a small town called Barn Bar <laughs> and I've got to spell it how it sounds, not how it's spelt. Yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> yes, no, we've got a lot of a lot of good names around here that you know exactly. we you know it uh, distinguishes the tourists from the locals. But um, yeah, it's all about it's all about getting, and it, it is very hard for young for young artists. Um, I, I get it, and it's hard for them to um to lead an interview. But that's what you've got to as, as an artist. It's all you know as an independent artist, you're doing everything. Um, so you've got to learn. Yeah, you've got to learn to lead the interview. And um, if they start talking about, you know, you know, the latest holiday they went on, um, maybe on cruising country or something like that, you know, and they start talking about their holiday, yeah. they, the artists can bring it back to go, oh yeah, well, you know, uh, you know, it would be great to go on one of those things. But um, I'm, you know, headed to Tasmania next, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, hoping to, you know, catch up what's catch up on what's happening down the music scene down there, and you know, I'm playing these gigs down there, blah blah blah. So. Kind of, I guess, just you've just got to yeah, think of strategies, and, and it comes with practice, and that's that's all it is. It, that's all it comes down to is just practice, exactly. and you, yeah, to just try to make sure you keep keep them on track to what you want to talk about, not what they yeah they're willing to talk about. No, exactly. So, how many artists do you work with at a time, roughly? So you're you're obviously very busy covering all of these things, and I know you know being an independent artist myself, like trying to juggle all of the things is so hard, but then trying to juggle you know, like lots of people's different things and different interviews with different stations and try remembering to write back to people, that would be very, very hard. Um, there's not, like I don't, yeah, I don't have a specific number. Obviously, September is busy. It's a busy time because um, it's the cutoff um, for the Golden Guitar Award nominations. So a lot of people do release in September. So, um, yeah, September could be, you know, I could be looking after... I don't know, seven to ten artists possibly. Um, I try not to because obviously you want to give every artist, you know, individual attention, and you know they, you know, they're spending money and you're giving them value for their money. So I, yeah, I do. There's no, there's no kind of number because some artists you might be working with for two weeks, some of them you might be doing six weeks. So it's all, it all depends on, you know, the time and and place and and what's happening at that, you know, that specific moment. But on average, I'd be working with probably. Uh, I guess five artists at a time, but yeah, it all depends on you know. Um, I've been told about these long periods. I'm, I'm waiting for them. Um, I don't want them, <laughs> but I've not experienced them, which I'm very happy about. But uh, yeah, it's just it all depends. It's all it's a seasonal thing, you know. January obviously is a really busy time because we have Academy, we have the Golden Guitars, we have Tamworth Country Music Festival, and a lot of people do release um, during during festival, which makes sense because everyone's together. So, yeah, that could be, you know, that could be a really busy time. But then, you know, March could be a really slow time. I might only have three artists, maybe. So, you know, it all it all just depends on, on the time of year. For sure. So what does a typical day look like for you? <laughs> well, no, I get I like to get up at about 4 a.m. So that sounds crazy time. But I get up and that's when I'll, you know, if I've got um, if I've got a release that day, I'll send, I'll set the release to, to like the press release to go out at about uh, between 6 and 7. Because you know, journos get in, you know, eight, between like seven and nine, um, and you want that you want that press release to be you know to be up there in their email. 
um, first thing in the morning. So I'll send a release out and, you know, write a bio or, you know, just catch up on things that obviously I don't have to ring people about at that time of the morning because <laughs> I don't like being rung at that time of the morning. And then, uh, yeah, I, I have I have two children, so I, you know, I need to take them to school. So, you know, between four and seven, I'm I'm just, you know, I'm just country journo. Uh, and then between about seven and nine thirty, I'm I'm mother. Um, and then I go back after after I'm finished being mummy at, at nine thirty, I go back to yeah being you know, country journo for another till you know three thirty or four o'clock. Um, and then yeah, I might you know once the children have uh, in bed, I, I might work again until you know ten o'clock just to, you know, make sure everything's ready for the, the next day or the next couple of days and then uh, start again. So, <laughs> but during the day, it's, um, yeah, it's all about, you know, ringing radio stations, emailing them what they need. Uh, I'm looking after two at the tour at the moment. So it'll be ringing, you know, ringing venues and, um, and you know, sorting media for, for each of the towns that they're going to. And, yeah, it's all, and, you know, talking, talking to artists. So I'll probably talk to, you know, all my artists probably once a week at least. Um, on the phone and some of them I'll talk to a couple of times a day like Simply Bush at the moment I've been you know probably talk to them about three times a day but yeah it all just it just depends on, on what's happening that week but yeah it's, it's a lot of a lot of you know phone time and, and email time really. Yeah. And it'd be good it'd be cool for you too as an independent like an independent journalist um, yes. to you know to be able to get those big goals with the artists as well like you know you're you're adding to your resume of things and you know whether, whether you got like a, um, like a TV appearance or all those oh, yeah. different things it's like this massive um, so I think when I spoke to you I did contact you because I had totally not realised like I knew I think what a publicist was but it didn't actually occur to me that that was another thing that I needed to organise and we talked about it and you were like oh I haven't really done any TV stuff but I'll try like and then yeah, I yeah. think a couple yeah. of months later like you'd already you'd added that to your hat so yeah. it's <laughs> Um, it's, yeah, it's, it'd be a really cool experience for you as well, not just the artist. I think. No, I love it. Like I, yeah, I celebrate. You know, and getting, yeah, getting those big, you know, those big interviews, like getting, you know, getting Kicks, Kicks Country, who are like massive supporters of my artists. Um, getting uh, film clips, like I also send out film clips to Tim Daly at CMC. Getting them played um, on CMC is a massive win, you know, for the artists. But you know, I, I celebrate too because I'm so invested in their careers. And you know, getting you know interviews like with people like Ray Hadley or you know any of any of those things, and and then yeah, TV. If you can get you know, it's usually like local news programs and stuff like that. Um, if you can get them, then you know, I'm 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 sometimes happier than the artists. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, you know, there's things like you know, chart. Um, that's the other thing I do. If 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 an artist is releasing that day and they've had a pre-order or whatever on iTunes, um, I will be watching charts for about two a.m. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> which I know sounds crazy, but I don't. I don't sleep on release. I don't sleep very much. Um, I don't sleep on release night because I just. I just love you know watching uh, and being able to you know being able to break that news to them. If you speak to Tom Curtin, two thirty a.m. Uh, Northern Territory time. Uh, yeah, you know being able to break that news to them when they're you know sitting at number one on the charts, and I can't really keep it to myself because I have to tell them, because so they can be awake too. But yeah, you know like it's little and it's victories like that, and then you know I mean Golden, Golden Guitar finalists like things are just you know like their pinnacle of course, and then and then if you can yeah if you can add you know if you're artists with Golden Guitars like that. That's just the best. <laughs> so it's a whole. It's it's looking at the industry in a whole different way from you know being someone who just writes about the artist, but you're actually you know really invested in their careers on this side. So it's um, yeah, it's great. That's awesome, <laughs> and it's very, it's so important I think too to have someone 
who not only has the expertise but the passion to help you and uh, and do get excited. I think that's yeah. between um I'd possibly get a little too excited. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. There's no cakes and stuff involved, I don't think so yet. <laughs> How important are relationships in the music industry? Do you think you've obviously got, um, you know, spent a lot of time through your career building relationships, whether it be mm. with um, with press and radio and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. You know, how important are they? Like, yeah, you can't even measure. Like, it's so important. Um You, you know, uh, you annoy someone, uh, like in radio or you know, press or whatever, um, they're probably not going. And I talk to the academy students about this. Uh, from a journalist's point of view, um, you you annoy a journalist or your manager uh, annoys a journalist, they're probably not going to uh, be keen to cover you again uh, because, yeah, I mean, they've got so many people competing for their time that they're obviously, and it's, it's human nature, they're going to choose the people who've been nice to them. Like it just it just makes sense, you know. And I, when I was yeah, when I was a journalist, I've had people who've been really rude to me, and you're like, well, and then they'll come back and want something, and you're like, oh, you know, unless it's a massive story, you're really not that keen to you know to cover them. So as a publicist, I've got to you know, which is really hard for me, I've got to be nice to everyone. Uh, yeah, so relationships are just like so important. Um, and yeah, building you know, obviously I, I built those relationships while I was a journalist, and um, and now you know I, I build um, I guess I'm building different relationships and sometimes closer relationships with other media, people like Tim Daly at CMC, people like Justin and, and Crossy at Kick. You know, you, you really always kind of, and it's not, like I don't, I'm a, anyone who knows me knows that I'm a really um, straight down the line person, you know, like I'm not going to pretend to be your friend, you know, if I really don't like you. Yeah. <laughs> so, but in country music, it's easy because there are, and seriously, you know, people might roll their eyes, but seriously, there are so many nice people. So it's it's not hard to be nice to people, and um, and that's the thing. And you know, you might you might deal with people who you know you really don't get along with very well, but you then you then just have you know you keep it professional, and um and you know you don't have to be overly friendly to them, but you you keep it professional so that you know you can you know that you can, and you're doing it you're not doing it for yourself, you're doing it for for the artist that you know you know that you can go back to them and and say you know can you you know can you interview this artist or whatever, you know, can you give them some promotion or whatever. But, yeah, it's just, it's all about, yeah, keeping those relationships going and, and not, um, the other thing is what I'd highly recommend for artists is don't don't just be nice to someone, like when I was at the leader, for instance, um, everyone was my friend in December, January, because they all wanted to get in the newspaper for festival. Yeah. But then, you know, don't ignore them for the rest of the year. <laughs> so, um, you know, it'd be like, um, me, you know, only contacting people when I wanted something, and and it's just, you know, they know they're not they're not stupid, you know. Contact them at other times, you know, maybe just see how the day's going or whatever. Obviously, don't you know be overboard. You know, if you've got a if you've got a friendly relationship with them, then you know have chats and stuff like that instead of just contacting them when you want something because you know they're going to know that and they're going to go, well, you only contact me want something, so um, maybe we won't give you the coverage that we might give someone else who actually you know values that kind of that relationship and and does continue to build that relationship rather than just always it's always being a, a kind of a, a taking relationship, I guess. So, um, yeah, that's a really long-winded way of answering question, but relationship to everything in the music industry. And because the country music industry is such a small industry, everyone knows everyone. Mm-hmm. And uh, you annoy someone, uh, everyone else is probably going to find out about it. Exactly. So, so that kind of would lead me to the next kind of part of that question would be, are there like some takeaway do's and don'ts of 
approaching like radio and journalists and stuff? Like, I, I'm sure you've got some horror stories <laughs> from your time <laughs> as the leader. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, again, you know, don't just don't just contact them all the time when you when you want something. With social media, it's so easy. You don't have to. We're not saying pick up the phone and call them every week, but you know, maybe just send them a little message, you know, going, oh, how are you going? Or tag them in something funny or whatever. If you know what their interests are, that kind of thing. If, you know, if you've got that kind of friendly relationship with them. Otherwise, yeah, in terms of, of contacting media, um, give, sometimes a little hopeless at this and I was when I was a journalist. Uh, that's why I was a daily journalist. But you've got to give, um, give media time to be able to get your story in, either in the paper or, or you know, on the radio or whatever. So you, you give them a couple of, you know, a couple of weeks leeway. If you've got, say, you're doing a, not so much in terms of, in terms of a release, you, you know, unless you're doing a pre-order, um, it's, you know, I often work with artists. I start work with artists. They'll contact me, you know, two days before they're releasing kind of thing, which is kind of a last-minute thing. But um, if you're doing a tour or you, you're visiting that town, then yeah, I, my biggest recommendation was, was give them is give them some time to be able to you know get you on air. Don't don't contact them the day before you get there kind of thing. Would you have any tips then? Obviously, the more that your ducks are in a row, the easier yeah. it is for the journalist. So I believe as an artist, you know, like it's all great and stuff to be creative and funny, but you also need to make sense, and especially on paper, if that's the only thing that someone has had to do with you they might not have necessarily heard your music or anything but if like you say if you're coming to town or you've got this new cd out or something like it'd be advantageous for you to make sense on paper so when you're writing things like bios or press releases obviously essential to kind of keep out the stuff that isn't necessary in said bio have you got any tips and tricks for like bios or press releases and stuff like that. So, uh, as you know, we, we talk about this at Academy, but I've had a conversation with, with an editor of a, of a magazine recently and um, they're all for quirky. So I'm like, and I don't always write quirky because, you know, I come from a you know journalist background, so it's facts, you know. <laughs> but it's all about, I guess, making yourself stand out from the crowd. Uh, so don't start your... You know, your bio with such and such took up music at the age of five and sang on stage when he was seven and now he wants to take over the world. He wants to go to Nashville and record an album. There, there are so many people with the same story and you go, okay, so you've got to, you've got to look for ways that make yourself look a bit different and look like you've got a newsworthy story. Like I'm looking, I look after an artist who he got into music after he had a massive car accident. So you don't you don't obviously go for the whole oh feel sorry for me angle either, but it's it's like James Bumble got into music after he'd had an accident on a bull kind of thing. So you kind of go okay, well this is just what you know after after this whole accident couldn't do anything else. So that's why I started to take music really seriously, and you know this is the way it's got to change my life. So you, you focus on that kind of aspect, and and it makes journalists go oh hang on that's that's a bit different. So I guess it's all about making yourself stand out and. You've got to show the journalist or the presenter that you you've earned some time on on their show or in the newspaper or the magazine, so that you've got you've got an interesting story to tell. Um, like another example, I look after a, an artist who works seven days on seven days off as a uh, truck driver in the mines, which is something not 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 every woman does. So you know that's that's kind of what sets her apart, I guess. And yeah, it's all it's all about yeah, it's all about that what sets you apart from other artists who are doing the exactly exactly the same thing as you. It's just finding that point of difference and um and you know, making that kind of your lead in, in press releases or bios so that that's the first thing that the journalist reads or the presenter reads and they go, Oh yeah, that they'd be interesting to talk to. Um so it's all about yeah, making 
making yourself look interesting enough to for people to want to interview, really. And I think to being specific with your pitch as well. Um, yes. So if you're going for a story in like a caravan magazine, maybe mention the fact you have a caravan. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Don't say I hate camping and I've never been camping. Probably won't go down well with them. But yeah, if you can tell them a story like, oh, you know, and even if you don't have a caravan, but but you love that kind of lifestyle, you can go, oh, you know, some of my favourite memories were caravanning with my parents or whatever. You know, like, um, you can, yeah, you can if you're going for those kind of specific things. Like I've um I've written quite a bit for defence and military magazines. Yeah. So yeah, obviously I'm not sending them the same press release as I'm sending, you know, um, the you know their local paper or or the lo- the country music magazine. You know, like you yes, you do need to um tailor if you're going for specific media that kind of thing. Um, then yeah, you do need to tailor your tailor your press releases. And just a, I'm just going to add a quick point for artists too is yes. it 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 helps to be as much as I hate the word authentic. Because if oh, yes. in one interview you talk about how much you love camping and then in the next interview you talk about how much you hate camping, yes. it doesn't make sense and your story needs to make sense. And I think the easiest way to do that is to – and you could probably do it – I don't know, you'd, you'd probably do it back because you're um, because you're a friendly kind of person. But you could sit down with someone and say, okay, what are your, what's your story? What are you interested yep. in? How are we going to shape this release and stuff? And what kind of – what targets do you want to hit? Yeah, and it's all about um – yeah, it's all about being 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 a genuine person, and, and people and journalists are very good at this. Um, they develop this sense. They know when when you you know when you just you're just telling them something that they think you want to know. They know. You know you can you can pretend we've had you know we've had young artists through who've said that they're massive Sundusky fans and or John Williamson fans, and you could ask them a Sundusky or John Williamson um, song, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't be able to name you one, but they think that's what you want to hear because oh, I'm country, you know. Mm. Um, just don't, you know. There are there are country music. There are thousands of country music artists who grow up in the city, and and maybe their tastes lie more down the, you know, I don't know, Florida Georgia Line route or something like that. Just if you want to make it in this industry, you've got to be genuine, and people are going to find out when you're not, and it happens all the time. You you don't pretend to be, you know, this, um, you know, like I grew up on a farm, blah blah blah. If you grew up in the middle of the city, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like. It's all right. Uh, you just you just need to be yourself and and yeah, not you know not try to be something that you, yeah you're not you can't you can't keep it up for that long. Um, and people are going to find out. So it's not going to go well for you anyway. You must just be honest. And you know there's there's nothing wrong with you know your you know your musical background might might have been ACDC, but but you love country music and and that's what you write. So be that person. You know like <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. And um, or it's a you know it's such a wide genre country and and um you know there are so so many great artists and and everyone not everyone's the same which is which is another great thing about it and i just yeah i would highly recommend to artists to just yeah be themselves and then you don't have to try to keep up your you know a story because you, it, it is your story so so you don't have to pretend exactly and i think too now with just the way that the landscape has changed with the way that we consume music you can have country songs and this brings us to a whole different debate of what is country, but country songs that can be played in a playlist or on, you know, mainstream radio and stuff and can fit in there. And Definitely, yeah. it's, you've only just, it's, a, it's a growing thing and people are able to to see more of it. And, you know, if there was only just Slim Dusty fans, it would be quite boring. 
like maybe maybe yeah. for the for the percentage of people who really like Slim Dusty. And I think that's a good thing about Tamworth too, is that you've got such a wide variety of people and acts and stuff that you yeah. can come and see that's, you know, quote unquote country, but there's kind yeah. of something for everyone. And it's the same with um yeah, with artists in general. Yeah, exactly. And um and yeah, it is it is a great thing like yeah, about, you know, um Festivals like CMC have yeah, brought out more, you know, more of these international artists and people. That, and I was having, I was actually chatting with someone um, the other day about this. And you know, you can say, you know, that act, that act isn't country, but a lot of young people, and and that is obviously the CMC um, demographic. Although I go to, and I don't really consider myself a young person, uh, and I love it. Like I wouldn't miss it. I would not miss it for the world. But um, you know, it gets a lot of young people into country music because they may not be straight down the line country music fans or they might think country music is not really cool, but then they hear someone like Florida Georgia Line, um, Thomas Rhett, Luke Combs, whoever, my friend Devin Dawson, who I love, um, you know, and they might go, oh, I really love that. And then they go, oh, oh, they're, they're country. Oh, okay. And then they'll go, oh, well, you know, they might discover more artists and more artists. And then, you know, they might actually uh, consider themselves actually country music fans. And, you know, that that's never going to be a bad a bad thing for an industry is to you know to bring in more fans. Exactly. That's um that's only got, only got to be a good thing. So, and uh, yeah, the thing with Tamworth is we've you know we've always had acts that aren't country like Mental as anything has played here so many times. Ian Moss has played with yeah definitely you know a country music festival like you, you couldn't deny it's not a country music festival but um it it is a country music festival that embraces other genres as well and there's no you know there's no one saying no you definitely can't play that because you know that that's not country but there's something for everyone and, and it just makes it I think a better a better experience, a great atmosphere and, and you know, it just shows that the genre is so open to, you know, welcoming um welcoming other people. With artists that you work with, I will just touch on a couple of questions that I I probably necessarily know but I'll ask them for the sake of other people knowing just in case they don't, yep. which is kind of yep. the point of the podcast. Um <laughs> so when we when we talked about um working with a publicist and contacting them for a project. So what, what kind of lead time is ideal for, say, a single release or a, an album release or something like that? So I, yeah, I don't, yeah, as 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 I've said, I, I don't come from a publicity, publicity background. So a lot of it I just learn as I go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can, you know, I've I've worked with artists who, you know, contacted me a couple of days before. Um, but on a, I come from a daily, a daily journalist background, so it's like, sure, let's let's get this. We'll make it happen. But you know, I'm sure a lot of other publicists would be like, uh, no, that's really not the way to go. And it's probably it's not it's not ideal. But I would think the way I work, um, which I, that's the only way I can comment, um, is probably a two week lead time would be great. And I've got artists who, you know, like I'm I'm working with, well, I'm not working with an artist yet, but you know, we're already planning for you know a late November release. So. I've got, yeah, I've got others who, who contact me, you know, months before and I've got ones who contact me, you know, days before. And I can, I'll, you know, I'll go with whatever, whatever works for them. But, um, yeah, ideally, you know, a minimum of two weeks because if they're, if they've got a pre-order happening on, on iTunes, for instance, um, you want to be able to get, you know, that, pre, you want to be able to get some leverage to that pre-order so that, you know, you get that great chart position, um, on that, on that first day of release. Uh, so yeah, two weeks, um, would be great because, you know, you've then got time to craft a press release. You, like I do a release interview, um, you craft a press release and, and then they've got time to check it over, you know, make any changes they want. And then when it goes out, it, it's exactly what they want, you know. So two weeks is, is probably, um, you know, a really, a really good, a really good time, I guess. Cool. And what, um, what kind of problems or mistakes do you see that 
independent artists make. It doesn't it doesn't have to necessarily be a negative light. I kind of like to think of mistakes and failing as learning as opposed to being a negative yeah. thing. But um, are there like some common issues or problems that you see that come up that can just be easily fixed with a bit of knowledge? I think, and it's not just independent artists, I think some artists, um, I think that if they employ a publicist, they're, they're going to make the payments. Okay. Um, <laughs> which, which uh, yeah, it's, the artists, you know, they can't, and I saw, actually I saw a, um, a from another publicist about this a while ago, but, uh, you know, the publicists can do all, all they can to, you know, to get interviews, but it's not, they can't guarantee, you can never guarantee that you're going to get, you know, you, that you're going to get interviews. It's just, it, it's completely up to media whether you're going to get interviews or not. And um, and the artists have got to understand that, I guess. And, you know, it's, they've they've got to publicise, like they've got to put the work in as well. They can't just go, oh, well, I've got a publicist, so now I'll just sit back and, and let them, you know, handle it all kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, which obviously the publicist will do. Like they will, they will schedule the interviews. But, you know, it doesn't mean that um, if the, say, the artist is at a, a function or something and there's media there that they'll just go, oh, well, my publicist will look after that instead of going, oh, well, I'll go have a chat with them too. And obviously... Um, you know, pass the details onto the publicist so they can, you know, they can sort the finer, finer points out. But um, I think, yeah, they've, artists have got to put, put a bit of the work in as well. I think it's probably what it comes down to. Just because you can record, you know, you can record a single at home, um, you know, <laughs> garage band or whatever, doesn't mean you should. Um, and independent artists, I know they don't have, you know, they may not have a record company to, you know, to to call on and the resources that that offers, but spend the money on a good producer and um, and good musicians. That would be that would be it, yeah. And, and you know, and sometimes that that is a mistake that happens. And you know, you get like as a, as a journal, I get sent um, albums and and things to review, and sometimes I just go, oh, what were they thinking? Because yeah, it, I know it, I know it's going to cost more, but you know, it's, it's your career at stake, and um, you want that product to be the best it can be. What are the things? surrounding the golden guitars like you said that that september is the cutoff point mm-hmm. do you know much about how all that works and what's eligible um well yes yeah, yeah well i'm a yeah i'm a cmwa board member so okay i deal uh, i deal <laughs> intimately with the golden guitars i've been through it with my artists this month um so i guess one of the biggest things we have with eligibility is single so if you want to go in single of the year you have to have released that single as a standalone single so it can't be just an album track so if you release on iTunes you have to release it as a standalone single as well so even though the song might be on iTunes as part of your album you've got to yeah you've got to actually when you release that single you've got to release it as a standalone track as well because you you often see on on iTunes you'll have you know you'll have the album listing and then you'll have more by that artist and it might say like for instance I'll go yeah go back to Simply Bush who've just released a single so it'll say you know it'll be part of their Here and Now um, album but then there'll be it'll be appear on iTunes again, and it'll say wave your finger, uh, single. So you've got to yeah. If I, I think that's a, that's the biggest hurdle we often have is that artists don't always um, realise they have to release as a standalone single, and that means a commercial release, not just um, not just releasing to media. So you know if, if your publicist or um, or distribution have sent it out to media, that that's great, but um, it needs to be commercially available as well. And what's the what's the time frame with with the golden guitars? This year it closed on the first of um, first of October, so uh, two days ago. 
um, at I think 5pm or 5.30pm Eastern, Eastern time. And it's open, the eligibility period is, um, is open from the 1st of October through to the 30th of September. Um, yeah, so it's, a, it's, a, it's 12 months, but you have to have released that product in, in the eligibility period. We're now in a, in a new eligibility period, so anything released from now until the 30th of September 2019 will be eligible for the 2020 Golden Tower. That's just a simple application online, isn't it? It's a yeah, so a nomination process online. Um, it's all yeah, all electronic. Um, it opens yeah, at the start of September every year, and you've got a, you've got a month to get um, yeah to get get your nomination in. So that involves you know having a bio uh, for single of the year. I know I keep going back to that category, but for single of the year you also need to um, put through uh, um, what sort of publicity you did for that single because it's it's um, it's judged not just on the song, but also how you've promoted it as as a single. And then you've got you know you've got things like um we've got three album categories: the traditional, contemporary, and alt country um, album of the year. So they have you know different obviously uh, specific kind of um, criteria they need to meet to fit into those categories. And what quali- what qualifies as an album? So I am an active uh, member on Facebook of people yep. who are constantly putting up questions of stuff they don't understand, which I'm a massive yep. fan of. Yep. And people don't understand what the difference between an EP or an album is and how many tracks it needs to be or whether you just call it something different. No, so it's an, an album is seven tracks or more. Okay. Um, that are yeah, universally um, accepted as, as an album. So anything under that is, a, is an EP. Is there like a set of rules? Yes, and stuff so there's there? a handbook and there's judging criteria and that's all... Um, it's all available when you like when you go to nominate. It's all there on the CMAA website, which cool. is um, country, yeah, country.com.au, and you can yeah, download the handbook and it's got all the criteria for all of um, all of the categories. But uh, the other one I guess I should mention is is the album categories and which have pretty much the same criteria as the male artists and female artists um, of the year categories because they're they're judged on on whole albums, not not on songs. Um, the album category must have 70% original material. So that means that you don't have to have written every, you know, 70% of the songs, but um, they can't have been recorded and released previously. Ah, they could be, right. but they can't have been, yeah, they can't have been, you know, recorded and released previously. So you have to have 70% songs on this. So you can have, you know, you could have a 10-track album and have three three covers if you wanted to. And you would still meet that seventy percent criteria, but you, yeah, it can't be an album of covers. So you, you get a big pool of entrants. Yep. And then there is a, a process, a judging yep. process. Then, um, and then this was so there's an integrity round which will happen, and that's when we or when the integrity different various integrity panels um, decide on things like not not every category has an integrity panel either. The three album categories have integrity panels to make sure that that album does fit. That you know that category and bluegrass has a, has a category to make sure that it fits obviously the bluegrass genre and bush ballad of the year has has an integrity panel to make sure that that you know that the songs that are nominated in that category are actually bush ballad because um yeah bush ballad obviously and and those other categories they have a quite specific sound or they need to meet certain criteria to be able to fit you know and go yes that that is you know that is a contemporary album or that is a traditional album kind of kind of thing so then once. Um, and that's that's not judging in that case, in that round. It's not judging whether that you know that product is good enough to be there. It's just judging whether whether they fit the criteria. So that's just a yes or no kind of kind of thing. And there's you know obviously debates that go on between the members of those integrity panels and all that kind of thing. 
And then once those products pass, pass those panels, and you know, it could it could end up that someone's nominated in traditional album of the year, but the integrity panel feel that they fit more in contemporary, so they might you know be pushed over to there. They won't just be thrown out, but they'll be you know they'll be approached and you know, and we're very you know very open to you know people moving categories because you know they may not fit into that category, but we don't just we don't just say oh you're thrown out kind of thing like yeah. <laughs> we give everyone a good a good go at, at being there. And then you know once once that's sorted, then um then the VIP judging round begins, and that's when that's when it comes down to industry people. Um, so yeah, they could be media, they could be you know whatever people from the industry who are specifically chosen to do that that judging round. They decide whether yes what the top six of every category are, you know, what they believe is the best six product in, you know, in, in each category. So they vote on six and then um, it comes down to obviously the, the final five come from come from that. So the, the, the five finals come from that and whoever's obviously got the most votes. And it's, it's a fully audited process, so it's very open. People obviously can't see who people have voted for, but they can see numbers um, if they want to. If they, you know, if they wanted to go into that. Um, but yeah, it's a very open process, so we can always say this is the reason why this person won this category because they got the most votes. You know, it's not a it's not a popularity contest. It's it's done on you know who they think is actually got the best. You know, has has the best product. And then um, once that once that round finishes, then of course it's all collated and and the five finalists are announced, which will be done um, usually done in mid to late November. And then after that, that's at a, at a function in, in Sydney. And then um, after that, the um, the general the general voting, well, the next voting, but the next round of voting starts. So that's the final round of voting, and that involves all professional members of the CNAA. Um, they they vote on their their top top entry in each category from those final five. And then we uh, end up with the big night, and that's when the winners are announced. <laughs> so it's a whole uh, it's a yeah very involved process, but. It's a process at work and, you know, that is completely, you know, traceable the whole way through. So people can't, you know, I mean, people can say it later on, you know, oh, they only got it because they know someone, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we can show them the numbers to say, well, no, they, they won it this week. They got the most votes um, in their category. So. Wow. And, uh, yeah, Meryl Davis looks after a lot of that. Uh, so, yeah, she doesn't get much, she doesn't get much sleep for a couple of months of the year. <laughs> I can't believe how quick that's done. I suppose that, like, I always forget that October is so close to January because <laughs> apparently yeah, that's a thing. But yeah. I, I do know, like, it's, um, yeah, like you say, like, it's announced in November and to organise yeah. that amount of people for that bigger decision. And I imagine yeah. they would have to physically listen to the albums. Yes, we do. We Well, that's, yes, that's their obligation is they've got to, um, in the album categories, they have to listen to, you know, the full product to judge it. Um, being industry people, a lot of them are familiar with, with the product already. So, you know, it does, it does, I guess, make it a little easier. I know when, um, when I've, when I've judged in that VIP round, even if you are familiar with the product, you're, you know, you've got to think in ways that you're actually comparing it to everyone else in that category. So I yeah, always listened to everything that was, that was, you know, entered because you, you're listening in a way that, you know, you don't normally listen. You don't normally listen just to, you know, enjoy the music or to review it or whatever. But um, when you're judging for something like the Golden Guitars, you've got to really compare it. Um, it's a real comparison thing to say, you know, is this better than, you know, other things in this category? And, and that's, yeah, that's, how, that's how you've got to judge it. Okay. Well, that's that's really good. I'm glad that we yeah. got to touch on that. Um, yeah. Have you got any parting words of wisdom or anything maybe that we didn't touch on that you'd like to mention? Before we go, well, I think we've oh, I think we've covered yeah 
a, a lot of stuff, I guess. Yeah, I guess just, you know, independent artists do need to, um, yeah, be aware of, of how important, um, I guess that you know the media is is to their careers because you know that's that's the way that they're going to get their I guess their name out and their and their music out. So um, it's always yeah always good I guess to have a you know build a good contact base even if you're not going to to employ a publicist. Well I guess particularly if you're not going to employ a publicist <laughs> and you're going to be doing your own media at um, yeah contact contacts and and building relationships is is really and obviously yeah putting in the hard yards uh is what's going to you know i guess decide uh, whether whether you get that coverage or not and how would an independent artist gauge a successful publicity campaign it's very um very subjective but i like to judge it on i guess how yeah how successful your your pitch for, for interviews has been um what kind of coverage you've got you know have you got have you got wider coverage than than you know the straight down the line country music um, you know media or you know has your your local media got on board as well and um, you know have you been able to get maybe some national media like Country Update or, or Capital News uh, that kind of thing I, I think it's it's not really a it's not a quantity thing I, I don't I don't believe it is um, I think it's it's the quality of media that you can get and you know it's not also not all about charts because you know not everyone's going to chart but they might get a heap of you know a heap of airplay. Um, but it all, it, again, it all comes down to hard work and, and the quality. You know, you can be the hardest working artist ever, but if that product that you're releasing is, is not quality, then people aren't going to want to play it or write about it or anything. So you've also you've got to make sure that your first step is to make sure you've got the quality product um, out there before you, um, before I guess you then think about all the other steps um, down the line. But yeah, make sure you, if you start with a quality product, then you, you know, you're halfway there. For sure. And I think it, it too would depend on what you qualify as success. Like you say, it's a subjective thing but if you went if I like if I came to you with a specific number of things that I wanted to hit knowing full well that you know potentially you may not hit those things for whatever reason like you may just not be you know like at that stage of your career or whatever like that but if you could like sit down and and talk to someone a bit level-headed with a bit of an idea of no maybe this is a better thing to aim for and then at the end compare yeah yeah exactly see if you've achieved that like I had an artist come to me a couple of weeks ago and it was his first, his debut single and he said, I just want airplay. And I said, I said, well, I can, you know, I can, I can pretty much, I can pretty much guarantee people airplay. Um, I can pretty much guarantee people some, you know, some interviews. I can't guarantee how many, but, you know, I can guarantee that there will be places that play, you know, play the music, obviously depending, you know, I, I, I don't take an artist on if, if I think they're terrible, I have to say. Um, because it's very hard for me to lie about someone. Yeah. <laughs> so and you're, and you're it's hard for me. On the line too with that. Well, that, that's the other thing. And now that I've got to the stage where I am more established, I can I can make those calls. You know, this artist came to me and said, "I just want airplay," and I said, "Well," and I'd heard the song, and I said, "I, I can guarantee you'll get airplay." And you know, he reached. I said, "What about charts?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, I just I just want airplay." He reached number five on the iTunes charts. <laughs> so you know, like it was like he you know like that was it. You know, he was done. <laughs> you know, like uh, I just I, you, but you can tell if something's going to be pretty successful, then you can you can tell because you know that you know they've put the work in to choose the the way that it's been recorded. Um, they've spent the you know they've spent the money to get to get it to that stage, and you know that a lot of the artists that I work with I, I know previously, and you know that they you know that they're hard workers, so you know they're going to put in when you when you say look can you do <laughs> can you do an interview at five thirty in the morning, or with my West Australian people sometimes a quarter to four, are you going to do it? And you know they're going to say yes. 
So you know they're going to put the work in. You know they've got the product. So you can pretty much say, look, this, this will be a pre-, you know, I can't say you're going to be massive in America or any of that kind of stuff, but I can say that, you know, it'll be a fairly successful campaign because we've got the right staff. So the rest is just, you know, me putting in the work and making sure people know about it, really. And what can we expect from you in the future? Have you got any uh, <laughs> any big plans of expansion or world domination? or? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, world domination. I'm moving to Nashville and uh, world domination. No. Um, All of the boots. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Pretty much you can guarantee that I'll be buying more boots in the future. Uh, I think the only the only guarantee in our life. Um, well, yeah, judging from the last to where I was two years ago to now, um, I yeah, I, I don't think I can even predict, but guessing what I'm going to be doing for the next couple of years, um, I'll be, I don't know about expanding, but continuing continuing work um, on yeah, on Country Journal and uh, just, you know, there's a, there's a few artists that I have in mind who I'd really like to get um, on board and, you know, that would be great to do that. But I've got artists who I just love and I guess... My my biggest my biggest goal is is not to lose those artists <laughs> to to do um you know to do as good a job as I possibly can for them so that you know they don't they don't need to look elsewhere and I've got artists that I've been working with for eighteen months two years and yeah I just I just always try to do you know the best that I can for them so that they've got no reason to be um, looking elsewhere for publicity so that, I guess that's my biggest aim is to keep them. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. How can we find you and how can we follow along with your journey and if people want to work with you. Um, what's the best way to contact you? Yep. So um, yeah, I'm on I'm on Facebook under the Country Journal, uh, fairly original name. Um, although some people do think I say the Country Journal, which is not correct. Uh, so it's, it's Journal, like a journalist. I'm at you know countryjournal.com.au. I've got a uh, website. Yeah, Instagram. You know all of those kind of things. On Instagram, I'm, I'm Country Journal. On Twitter, I'm Country Journal. Um, and yeah, all my contact details and everything are on the on the Facebook page and on the website. Awesome. And email, I imagine, is the best way. Oh yeah. Sorry. And yeah, it's, it's Rebecca at countryjournal.com.au. And that is episode number four, done and dusted. Thank you again to Rebecca Belt for coming on the podcast and having a chat about all things publicity, country music, and apparently we threw in a bit of golden guitar nugget there too. So hopefully you guys learned a little bit and it just reinforces the fact that good music and relationships are where it starts. Don't forget you can follow Beck over on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Country Journal. And you can also jump on her website and check that out too. She is more than happy to answer any questions and for you guys to maybe use her for your next release. So until episode number five, I hope you guys have a great few weeks and I will be joining you again soon. I'm Sarah Leet. Thanks for listening.